Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last testimony episode, we began our look at the prosecution's cross-examination of the defendant, led by prosecutor Thomas Binger. On today's episode, we continue that review, including a tense sidebar in which Judge Bruce Schrader severely reprimands the prosecutor. That's coming up right after the break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. At the end of our last testimony episode, we mentioned that after asking Kyle Rittenhouse about some details related to the defendant's feelings about his AR-15 semi-automatic rifle, Prosecutor Thomas Binger quickly found himself in hot water with Judge Bruce Schrader because of his next line of questioning. We begin today as Binger returns to questions about the defendant's intent on the night of the shootings. You have testified to this jury that you used deadly force against Joseph Rosenbaum, Anthony Huber, the man who attempted to kick you in the face, and Gage Grosskreutz on the night of August 25th, correct? Yes. And you did that because you felt that your life was in danger from those four people, correct? Yes. And you are telling this jury that it was in your mind justified to use deadly force to protect your own life, correct? Yes. You'd agree with me that you were not allowed to use deadly force to protect that car source building, correct? Well, I I wasn't using deadly force to protect the property. I used deadly force to protect myself, so... uh, Please listen to my question and answer my question if you can. You'd agree with me that you were not allowed to use deadly force to protect that car source building, correct? Yes. You'd agree with me that you were not allowed to use deadly force to stop someone from smashing the windows of an unoccupied parked car, correct? I don't think you could use deadly force for that. You'd agree with me that you can't use deadly force to stop someone from letting a metal dumpster on fire, correct? Correct. You'd agree with me that you can't use deadly force to stop someone from tipping over a porta potty, correct? Correct. You'd agree with me that you can't use deadly force to stop someone from lighting a flatbed trailer on fire, correct? Correct. You'd agree with me that you can't use deadly force to stop someone who is about to start an unoccupied car on fire, correct? Correct. You'd agree with me that you can't use deadly force to stop someone from lighting some traffic cones in the middle of the street on fire, correct? Correct. So you understand that there's a difference between using deadly force to protect yourself and using it to protect property, correct? Yes. And you'd agree with me that you're not allowed to use deadly force to protect property, correct? Yes. 
But yet you have previously indicated that you wished you had your AR-15 to protect someone's property, correct? I'm going to, uh, uh, I'm ask you to go into the library uh, again for a moment, please. Prosecutor Binger appears to have been seeking to enter into evidence a recorded statement that the defendant made that he wished he had his AR-15 as he observed looters taking goods from a store. The judge had denied Binger's motion to include that evidence during a pretrial hearing. Given the intensity of the ensuing sidebar, we will play it virtually in its entirety with only light editing for concision and clarity. Your Honor, Mr. Binger is either forgetting the court's rulings or attempting to provoke a mistrial on this matter. He knows he can't go into this and he's asking the questions. I ask the court to strongly admonish him and the next time it happens, I'll be asking for a mistrial with prejudice. He's an experienced attorney and he knows better. Mr. Finger? First of all, Your Honor, this was the subject of a motion. I'm well aware of that. And the court left the door open. This for me, not for you. My understanding of- You should have come and asked for, uh, for reconsideration. You did on the one motion. And in fact, I granted your motion for reconsideration. That was not I mean, my motion. I, I, I uh, not sorry, uh, excuse me. I, uh, I did, I granted- We did not move to reconsider. Their motion. I, I, we have not filed any motions to reconsider in this case. It was their motion for reconsideration, which I denied. But uh, I said I denied it, or I indicated a bias towards denial is what I did. Held it open with a bias towards denial. Why would you think that that made it okay for you without any advance notice to bring this matter before the jury? You are already, you were, I, I was astonished when you began your examination by commenting on the defendant's post-arrest silence. That's basic law. It's been basic law in this country for 40 years, 50 years. I have no idea why you would do something like that. And it gives, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So I don't know what you're up to. May I respond? Yes. We filed another acts motion on this exact issue because in my mind, and I argued this, it is identical to what was going on on the night of August 25th in the sense that the defendant was using this exact same weapon. He was using it in a manner to try and protect property. No, he wasn't. There's, Your Honor, I, with all due respect. I'm not going to rehash the motion. That's absolutely untrue. It and is, there's, no, no, no. Your arguments of record, my comments are of record, and why I ruled as I did is of record. There's nothing that I heard in this trial to suggest anything's changed, even if you're correct in your assumption that you know more than uh, I did at the time. Uh, you should have come to the court and say, I want to go into this. Uh, why you would think that you could go into it without any advance notice to the court, I don't understand that. And as the uh, defense is pointing out, you're an experienced trial lawyer, and this should not have been gone into. Your Honor, there have been things in this case testimony in this case that I believe opens the door to this. For example, the defense has introduced evidence that the defendant pointed a gun at a man wearing yellow pants because that person was on a car on the car source lot. Now there's no justification that I can think of why the defendant would point that gun at someone. The defendant has just testified this morning that he agreed with that person 
in the yellow pants that he pointed the gun at him. He said, I was joking when I said that to the guy in the yellow pants, but he said, he's acknowledged that he told the person in the yellow pants, yeah, you're right. I did point a gun at you when you were sitting on a car. He said, I did. That's what he exactly. Said, so he's agreeing. May I finish, please? I'd like to have a chance to make a record if I could, without being interrupted, if that's okay. He has mentioned that he has, he's acknowledged that he's used this gun to protect property. He's also just acknowledged that he knows he can't do that. I am attempting to impeach him now with the prior August 10th incident, 15 days prior, involving the same gun where he is threatening to use that gun to protect property. It goes... Your Honor, he is saying he wished he did so he could shoot people. You know, there's a lot of difference between commenting about something when you haven't got a gun and threatening someone when you do. You know, it's interesting, Your Honor, because the entire defense theory in this case is Joseph Rosenbaum, who was unarmed. You tell me what the defense theory of the case is. I want... May I, look, res may I respond look. to what you just said, Your Honor? I'd like to respond to what you just said. I, I apologize, Madam Court Reporter, but I'd like to try and make a record without anyone interrupting me, if that's okay. I believe that there is a central part of this case that Mr. Rosenbaum is making threats that he has no ability to carry out. So to your point, Your Honor, you're arguing that this August 10th incident, one, one aspect of why you don't believe it's relevant is the defendant didn't have the gun with him. The, this case is about someone who didn't have a weapon, and yet the jury is being told because of those threats, that means the defendant has to defend himself. So with all due respect, Your Honor, mere verbal threats have already been shown to this jury and used as a basis for someone's subsequent actions. I am attempting with the defendant to use his mere verbal threat on August 10th, 15 days prior, that he's going to shoot shoplifters with his AR-15 to impeach the defendant in a murder trial. I would ask the court's forbearance to do that. I apologize, Your Honor. You're right. I probably should have brought this to your attention earlier. I may have misunderstood your ruling because I thought your ruling was if the evidence in this case made that more relevant, you would admit it or at least consider it it's an admittance. I believe, based on the evidence that we've heard and more specifically exactly what the defendant said earlier about admitting pointing a gun at someone who was merely jumping or sitting on a car, that the door is open now to this testimony. And I continue to believe that his state of mind, his intent, his belief as to self-defense is the core of this case. That was the basis for my motion. You were strongly inclined against it. I understand that. But now we're in the middle of trial and there's been a lot of evidence that's come in that I think makes this relevant. So I'm attempting to impeach the defendant on his beliefs. I believe I'm entitled to impeach the defendant on his beliefs and on his statements. Interrupt you now because you're talking about his beliefs. I think that's what they call his statements to your own. Because he just said, can't use deadly force, can't threaten to use deadly force to protect property. So now I'm impeaching him on that. Your Honor, what's the court has seen no reason to change its ruling. And just so this record is clear, in spite of the lengthy statement by Mr. Binger. Before we started today, the court specifically stated in Mr. Binger's presence, there's been nothing to have me change any of my rulings. There have been numerous occasions during this trial where they've opened the door. The one time when they're going into Mr. Rosenbaum's prior reason he doesn't like guns. 
and I said something, I whispered in Mr. Krause's ear, it's because of the prior convictions. Please stop. And he did. He knows if you're going to go into something that's been excluded in a pretrial order, you better ask the court. You better get permission. This is ridiculous. It, know, was, it wasn't excluded, Your Honor. You know why it was excluded in the first place? Because it's, it was propensity evidence. That is exactly what 90404 is designed to prevent. You're talking about his attitudes. His attitude is he wants to shoot people. Now, I've admitted that kind of evidence in other trials when it's been appropriate. I didn't admit it in this case because, to me, what I've heard in this trial, and by the way, Mr. Richards absolutely correctly points out that just hours ago, I said I had heard nothing in this trial to change any of my rulings. So why? Testimony, Your Honor. Pardon me? That was before the Don't testimony. Don't get brazen with me. Uh, uh, you knew very well. You know very well that an attorney can't go into these types of areas when the judge has already ruled without asking outside the presence of the jury to do so. So don't give me that. That's number one. Number two, this is propensity evidence. I said at the time that I made my ruling, and I'll repeat again now for you, I see no similarity between talking about wishing you had your AR gun, which you don't have, so that you could take fire rounds at these uh, thought-to-be shoplifters. And the incidents in these cases, which are not, there's nothing in your case that suggests the defendant was lying in wait to shoot at somebody or reflecting upon the shooting for a vast amount of time. Every one of the incidents involves uh, matters that involve seconds in time. So I don't, I commented at the time, I don't see the similarity and I don't see the similarity now. If it's not similar, that's, that's the whole rule. Those are all the exceptions to 90404. Check the authorities. Wigmore and Evidence. Judge Weinstein. Colonel McCormick. It's the, the prior act has to bear the signature of the accused. Or it has to be so similar as to suggest it's a common plan or something like that. You have an incident where he's making comments about some alleged shoplifters versus crimes that involve instantaneous actions, whether premeditated murder or whether self-defense, that's for the jury to decide. But I don't see the similarity. I said it couldn't come in, and it isn't coming in, no matter what you think. Number two. I have to be concerned that with what Mr. Richards has said about the, the, the progress of the trial and, and um, when, when you were way, well, I said you were over the line, uh, close to or over the line on commenting on the defendant's pretrial silence, which is a well-known rule. I, I, I'm astonished that that would have been an issue. So I don't want to have another issue as long as this case continues. Is that clear? It is. We will, of course, review this intense admonition of Prosecutor Binger by Judge Schrader during our weekly recap with Abby Smith. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When the jury returns, Judge Schrader tells the panelists that he has sustained the defense objection to the questioning about the defendant's prior comments about his AR-15, and a chastened Thomas Binger resumes his questioning of Kyle Rittenhouse. I want to turn your attention to the day of August 25th, 2020. Okay. You had spent the night at Dominic Black's house, is that right? Yes. And you indicated that... You had worked at the RecPlex the night before, is that right? The 24th, correct. Okay. And you worked until about 7 p.m.? I, I couldn't give you the exact time, but I'd say I got off around between 6 and 7. I, I don't recall. It's been a while. And then you drove your car over to Dominic's house? Yes. Okay. So uh, the rest of the time, it seems like you're being driven around in Mr. Black's car. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Why did you guys use his instead of yours, if you know? Um... At the time, I didn't have a driver's license, and I would drive just to get to work and sometimes to go to Dominic's dad's house. So even though you didn't have a driver's license, you drove from your home in Antioch to the RecPlex to work that day? Um, yes, to be able to get to work. And then after work, uh, you drove without a driver's license to Dominic Black's house? Yes. So I assume then on the week prior to that, when you'd drive yourself to work, that was also without a driver's license? I'll move on. So you drove to Mr. Black's house. You left your car there. Yes. And you spent the night at his house. Yes. And then the next day, you guys woke up at some point and came down to Ruther. Is that right? Spent the night at his house and... Uh, had dinner, woke up in the morning, um, had breakfast. We were going through social. We were, we were, I was on social media. And we saw the damage, and we saw the car store. So we decided to go downtown. And you came down in uh, Dominic's car. Correct. And you said that uh, there was a time in which you were cleaning graffiti at Ruther. Yes. And then at some point, I believe you said, and I want to make sure I'm understanding the timeline here that you went to one of the car sources and, and encountered the owners, Sam or Sal or whoever they are, correct? Yes. Binger seems thrown by the failure of his gambit to get Rittenhouse's prior statement. He does not appear to have a clear and coherent strategy driving his questioning and meanders from one subject to another. Next, he prods the defendant about the decision to defend the car source lot. Now, before that, had you ever worked at car source before? I have not. Had you ever bought a car there before? I have not. Had you ever even heard of Car Source before all that? Yes. Through Dominic? Well, no. Um, I, I would drive past it on a daily basis. I was in Kenosha almost every day, and I drive down Sheridan Road almost every day. Okay. So you saw the business along with the churches and the ultimate gas station and the courthouse and everything else in that area? Yes. Okay. And you talked to these owners... Yourself? Me and Dominic did. And did they ask you to come protect the property? 
They didn't ask me directly. They didn't ask me directly. They asked Nick Smith. Okay. And was Nick Smith around for that at that moment? He wasn't there when me and Dominic were talking to them. Did you ever personally witness any of these car source folks, Sal or Sam or any of the folks that were running that business? Did you ever personally ask, witness them ask Nick Smith to guard any of their properties? No. Did you ever witness any of them ask anyone to guard any of their properties? Not that I can recall. What time, if you recall, did uh, you find out that they'd asked Nick Smith? I believe I said in my direct examination between 3.15 and 3.30. And that was shortly after you had sent a text to um, Sam, right? Correct. And you texted him and asked him uh, if you could protect his business that night, correct? I did. And in that text, you said, I'm more than willing and will be armed, correct? Yes. You meant you'd be armed with your AR-15? Yes. And you said that me and my brother would both be there armed, correct? Yes. By your brother, you meant Dominic? Yes. He's obviously not legally your brother. No. And you said in the text, I just need address. Do you recall that? Yes. Why did you need the address of a location you'd already been to? Um, I just wanted to like pinpoint it and on the Google Maps because uh, GPS, because you know with all the all the roads were closed down in Kenosha, I just wanted to know the best route to drive there with Dominic. But you just told us that you drove past here every day up and down Sheridan. Why did you need GPS to help you find a place that you drive past every day? The roads weren't closed when I drove past them every day. But you still knew where you were going, right? Sort of, but with like the back roads. I... Okay, so let's talk about the roads being closed. What do you mean by that? Well, Sheridan Road was closed off, and I believe, I'm trying to remember. I don't think there, there were a lot of roads closed off. I couldn't tell you exactly their names right now. Was that because there was construction going on? Uh, no, they were closed off because of the riots. Binger uses this answer to pivot to questions about the defendant's awareness of the curfew. They were closed off to keep people out of the area, right? Yes. And you knew there was a curfew that night, right? Um, I, I believe I got, I got an emergency alert text at around 8 p.m. Just like everybody else saying, stay off the street. Objection. There's no curfew charge. It's still relevant to his decision making. Just like everybody else, you got a message saying, get off the streets at eight o'clock that night, right? Yes. Once you got that message, you didn't decide, I'm gonna leave and go home like I'm supposed to, correct? I stayed at the car source. And you knew that there was this curfew in place that meant you shouldn't be there anymore, correct? There are, I'd say, hundreds, if not thousands of other people there that night that also got the same message. So if they're all breaking the law, you can too? I was, I don't think the curfew was really being enforced. Next, Binger asks questions about the defendant supplying body armor to Nicholas Smith. You said that there was a time in which Nick Smith asked you guys to drive him down to Chicago? Correct. To buy a piece of body armor? Correct. 
down by O'Hare. Correct. And you guys were willing to do that um, at first. D Dominic was willing to do it. It was more of Dominic's thing because Nick Smith was going to give Do throw in like 20 bucks to Dominic when he bought it for like gas. The idea was the body armor would be used that night, correct? I believe so. That's why there was some urgency about going down right away, right? Yeah. This was part of the plan to come down, down to downtown that night, right? He wanted to go to O'Hare to buy the body armor, so yes. Do you understand my question? Can you rephrase sure. it? Absolutely. Right. The, the urgency to get that body armor that day was because he needed it for that night, right? I wouldn't say he needed it, but he wanted it. And instead of making the drive, you gave that body, your own body armor to Nicholas Smith. Correct. You had it along with you? Yes. You brought it along with you that day because you thought you might need it yourself that night, correct? No, I kept it in my trunk of the car. I always had it. You drive around with body armor in the trunk of your car regularly? Well, it was just in the back of my trunk. I never really took it out. Binger then moves on to ask about the purchase of slings, four Rittenhouses, and Dominic Black's rifles. And you said at some point that day you went to Jelinski's. That's the hunting goods, fishing store out on Highway 31 and 52nd Street to buy a couple of slings. Is that right? That's correct. And this was one sling for you and one for Dominic, right? Yes. And you bought two of the identical type of sling, correct? Yes, the cheapest, the cheapest ones they had. And that's a single point sling, meaning it attaches to the gun in one location, correct? Yes. And then it wraps around your body, correct? Yes. And it's designed to help you retain possession of that weapon, correct? You'd probably know more about them than I do. I just got it to hold the rifle. So when I'm doing medical aid, I don't have to sit on the ground and have to worry about it being stolen. Because you realize that you couldn't have that gun on you while you're doing any sort of medical aid, correct? I realized, I knew that I couldn't, without a sling, have it on me. That's why I got the sling, so I could have my hands free. But even when you had the sling, there was a time in which you took off your entire gun apparatus and handed it to Joanne Fiedler because it was in the way of you trying to treat someone, right? At that instance, yes, because it was hitting the ground uh, the rifle was hitting the ground. Um, when I bought it, that was the purpose of it. I don't think it really worked, now that this, I think of it. This big, long AR-15 really got in the way whenever you tried to help someone, right? Sometimes. If you had a handgun, for example, you could have been, it would have been physically more easy for you to try and treat someone, fair? If I could have legally carried a handgun, I would have carried a handgun instead of a pistol. I mean, instead of a rifle. You grabbed some medical supplies from Dominic Black's house before you came downtown that night, correct? I grabbed extra gauze, but that's about it. The prosecutor's next line of questioning focuses on the rounds of ammunition that the defendant possessed on the night of August 25th. We will pick up with that on our next episode, but for now, we conclude this installment of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik, and it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs>